In July, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos made news by going to the edge of outer space. I would love to have been on that rocket ship with him, but I guess when you're the world's richest man, you can afford the ticket. And so he went to the edge of outer space and all of that, but this week he made news for a different reason. This reason, the world's wealthiest man made the news again for helping to start a company that's looking for the secret to eternal life. They've invested millions and millions of dollars creating a company called Altos Labs, which is an age reversal firm, which is on a scientific quest for immortality. The goal is to find a way to do gene reprogramming so that you could literally live forever. Uh, That's right, Jeff Bezos is trying to conquer death itself. There's, he's not the only one, by the way. There are a number of other tech billionaires that are on a similar quest. Google founder Larry Page and Peter Thiel are two examples. Both of them have dedicated millions and millions of dollars into the idea that, quote, death is a problem that can be solved. These men are hoping against hope that piles and piles of money can buy never-ending life. Now, here's the irony of the whole thing. Death is the guaranteed part of life. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's absolutely the guaranteed part of life. Think about it. All things, I mean like all things, all things that live will eventually die. Whether you're talking about a human being, an animal, a plant, Every living thing will one day die. Death really is the guaranteed part of life. Now, we know that by observation, right? We see dead animals on the side of the road. We see a dead tree lying on the ground. Or we go to funerals, and we go to lots and lots of funerals over the years. We know by observation that death really is part of life. But we also know know that truth by revelation. You see, the Bible teaches us that death is the unavoidable earthly ending that we all face. If death is inevitable and unavoidable, then it seems to me like we should ask a very key question. Then what? What comes next? I mean, when you step across that dividing line between now and forever, what are you going to find on the other side of that line? When you step across that dividing line between now and forever, what comes next? That's what this series is going to be about. Because you and I, we all, we give our lives to so many different things, but then what? Now, if you're an atheist or an agnostic or just a non-believer, your answer would probably be something like this. Well, when my heart stops pumping and my brain waves flatten... There's nothing. This life is all there is. That's the the stand that most who do not believe in God or don't have a relationship with God, that's that's kind of the way they handle the, the then what. It's like this life is all there is. And when your heart stops pumping and your brain waves stop uh, moving, when they flatten, uh, then you just cease to exist. The world continues on without you, but you cease to exist. In fact, one of the guys that I was reading, an atheist I was reading this week said, he said, do you regret or do you remember the eons of time before you were born? No. 
He said, in the same way, you will not regret or remember the time after you're born. This life is all that there is. It's just now. All you have is now. And after this is over, there's nothing. Well, that's one perspective. The Christian perspective, of course, is when you step across that line between now and forever, that you actually find a reality that is more vivid, more exhilarating, more beautiful, more rewarding, more real than anything else you could ever imagine. And that reality, of course, is called heaven. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in this series. When you step across that line between now and forever, what will it be like to step into heaven? Of course, the other option is, the Bible teaches that when you step across the line between now and forever, when your heart stops pumping and the brain waves flatten, and you take a step across that line between now and forever, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you'll find a dark realm of regret and remorse and suffering, and the Bible calls that hell. And we're going to talk about that in this series as well. But let me just say, that's why the Bible is so important. Because you and I have never stepped across that line. We don't know what's on the other side. So how can we know what to expect when we do cross that line? Thankfully, God who is eternal has shown us what's on the other side. And God tells us not to depress us but to prepare us for what's ahead. Now, one of the books in the Bible that says a lot about what's ahead is a book that might surprise you that it talks about death so much. It is the book of Ecclesiastes. That's in the Old Testament. If you open God's Word or turn it on to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you can find Psalms in the Old Testament, go to the right. You'll go past Proverbs, and then you'll come to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of those books that surprises people. It says things that you don't expect to hear from the Bible. For example, the opening words of the book are kind of surprising. Let's read the opening words, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The words of the teacher, capital letter T, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king, in Jerusalem. So right away, we assume these must be some powerful words because they're coming from the teacher who is the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So this is an, a powerful, amazing statement that he's about to make. And what does he say? Verse 2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utter meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's how the book opens. What's he talking about? Well, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived and probably the wealthiest man who had ever lived, had everything you could ever want and he found out that he really had nothing to live for. For him, life was useless and it was futile and it was meaningless. But what about when this life is over? Sooner or later, we all face that day of death. Sooner or later, we all come up to that line and we have to step across. What about when that day comes for us? Well, Ecclesiastes has something surprising to say about that as well. I'm going to be all over the book today. I want you to go to chapter 9. Solomon, as he thinks about life, and as he thinks about life after death, he has some quite surprising things to say. Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. 
So I, I reflected on all of this. I thought about all of this. I thought about life. I thought about all of this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. Solomon's conclusion is when you step across the other side, when your, when your brain waves flatten and your heart stops pumping and you step across that line into forever, Solomon in his Old Testament perspective said nobody knows, but it's all in God's hands. But then he says something even more surprising. Verse 2, here's the one thing he does know. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Solomon said, you know what, as I've thought about this, I don't know what's on the other side. I don't have a clear picture. Only God knows it's in God's hands. That was an Old Testament perspective. He says, I've never been there. I've never crossed that line. But one thing I do know, one thing I have observed, is that whether you're living for God or you're not, or whether you're a good person or you're not, or whether you think about death or you don't, it doesn't matter. He says, we all have the same destiny. Now, he's not talking about heaven or hell talking about the grave we all have the same destiny and it's a common destiny it's death we all face the same fate look what he says in verse 10 whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might for in the grave where you are going there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom Solomon says you're, you're, you're all headed in the same direction. We all are. You're headed towards the grave. In fact, would you just, we need to lighten the mood a little bit. Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, the grave is where you're going. Go ahead, talk to him. Now what, some, some of you enjoyed that too much. But it's true, isn't it? And we do have to laugh about it a little bit. Because... We have to face the sober reality that the grave is where we're going. All of us. And Solomon said, it doesn't matter if you're a religious man or you're not a religious man. It, we're all the same. We all have the same destiny. And again, he's not talking about heaven or hell. He's talking about the grave. We all eventually meet death. He talks about it again in chapter 2. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. The wise man, verse 14, the wise man has eyes in his head. In other words, he, he's thinking about where he's going. He's looking at what he's doing with his life. He's paying attention to how he's living his life. So, the wise man has eyes in his head. He's paying attention to how he lives life. While the fool walks in the darkness. The fool does not pay attention to what he's doing. He's not paying attention to how he lives life. He's just living whatever comes to him. And then look what he says. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. 
what then do I gain by being wise? I mean, if we're both heading in the same direction, if we're both heading towards death and the grave, if every, whether we're wise or fool, whether we try to live right or we don't live right, what have I gained by trying to live, live wisely? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. Solomon realizes that even living wisely will not stop him from being placed in a box in the ground. Just like the guy in the village who doesn't pay any attention to anything. Death is inevitable for all of us. Now, if you're not depressed yet, just hang on because it gets worse. Go to chapter 3. I told you... Ecclesiastes says some surprising things. This is where it gets really surprising. So chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, here's what Solomon said. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. Watch this. We all go to the same place. Again, he's not talking about heaven or hell. He's talking about the grave because he says, all come from dust and to dust all return. Solomon realized death is a great equalizer. We don't have an advantage even over the animal world. We're all mortal. Like any other animal, we're all mortal. Solomon said it very clearly. We all go to the same place. We all have a spot we're going to be placed in one day. We all do. Everything is meaningless, he says, if everything leads to the same place as the dead squirrel. If it all ends up at the same place as a dead bird. We're all just like that. Life is just like that. Solomon would say we've got a lot in common with those dead animals that you see because we're heading there too. Now, side note, real quickly, side note. Sometimes people have asked me over the years, especially this is a hard question when children ask me this. Pastor, is my pet going to go to heaven? You ever thought about that? Do do our pets go to heaven? You ever thought about that? Well, I mean, dogs do, but I don't know about cats. I'm not sure. I'm kidding. Don't don't get mad at me. It was a joke. You, You cat people, don't send me emails. Send those to Rob Merritt, MountAreyBaptist.com. <laughs> but I have had that question. Do animals go to heaven? Do, pets, do our pets go to heaven? Is my dog going to be in heaven? Did you know Solomon even talks about this in the next verse? Here's what he says. Verse 21. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? Solomon's answer, who knows? I don't know. So, here's the question. Why was Solomon so fixated on death? Why was he so focused that we all have the same destiny? We're all going to cross that line one day from now into forever. We all, even we have the same destiny even as the animals. None of us get out of here alive. Why is he so focused on that? Solomon understood something. Here's what I want you to see. He understood that those who are prepared to die are the most prepared to live. 
That's the lesson I want you to get. That's, what, that's foundational to everything I want to say to you today. Those who are prepared to die are the most prepared to live. So if you continue on through the book, you'll come to chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes. And here, he changes his perspective a little bit. He changes his focus a little bit. He focuses not on just our mortality, but here in chapter 7, he focuses on how to live differently while we're here on planet Earth. And so in chapter 7, verse 2, here's what he says. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. And then watch this. And the living should take this to heart. Death is the destiny of every man. And the living should take this to heart. Now, let's break this verse down verse, uh, phrase by phrase. If you had to choose today, if I said, hey, w- would you rather go to a party or would you rather, rather go to this house where somebody's just died? For most of you, it's a pretty easy choice, right? You're going to the party. Unless the house is someone that, that you knew personally, it was a loved one or family member like that. Most of us, if we said, do you want to go to a party or do you want to go to this place where this guy just died? We're going to the party because the party is a lot, a lot of fun. We're going to the party to the house of feasting because that is enjoyable. The house of mourning, that's a place of sadness. We don't want to go there. That's a place of grief. We don't want to go there. But Solomon says, all of life is not a party. Sometimes you have to face reality. And the best place to face reality is in the house of mourning. When you visit the home where someone has died, it reminds you, it is a stark reminder of the brevity of life. That's why he says, look what he, how he says it. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. And here's why. For death is the destiny of every man, and the living should take this to heart. You're not going to think about that at the house of feasting. You're going to think about that at the house of mourning. As I've been your pastor for the past 25 years, there have been many times, and I do not say this in a cavalier fashion, I want you to understand that, but there have been many times in the past 25 years when I have been with you or your loved ones and I have watched a lot of people die. That's just part of the job as being a pastor, to be there in their final moments. As someone is is about to step over from now into forever, and I've done that many, many times in homes and in hospitals and in hospices I've stood by their bedside I've stood with the family as someone has taken that last breath and taken that first step into forever and in those 25 years I've also come home many times and hugged my wife a little tighter or I've come home many times when my kids were smaller and picked them up and gave them a big hug Because I had a stark reminder once again the brevity of life that's why Solomon says it's better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting for death is the destiny of every man and the living should take this to heart thinking about death doesn't mean that you draw the curtains and you dress in black and you think gloomy thoughts thinking about death means Thinking about how to live. That's why the living should take this to heart. Sometimes you have to think about how am I living my life. 
And I don't know how long I've got to live, but how am I going to live this life? Because life is not a dress rehearsal. You only get to do this one time. So you need to think about how you're living the years or the days that God gives you. And the Bible talks about this in lots of places. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Psalm 90, verse 12, here's what it says. Teach us to number our days aright, that we might gain a part of wisdom. Teach us to understand how short life is. Teach us to understand the brevity of life. Teach us to understand that there is a destiny that we all share in common. Teach us to understand that one day we're going to step across that line from now into forever. But show us that so that we'll live differently between now and then. David said this in in Psalm 39, Show me, O Lord, my life's end. When was the last time you prayed that? God, would you show me my life's end? That's what David's praying. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. How much time do I have left? Now, is he being morbid? No. He's trying to make sure he lives life well. So show me, O Lord, my life's end, a number of my days, and let me know how fleeting is my life. Help me to understand I don't have forever to get this done. I don't have forever to walk with God. I don't have forever to lead my family. I don't have forever to make a difference for the kingdom. I've got a short window of time. And God, would you show me how quickly life passes? Would you show me that my life certainly is going to end so that I will live my life well? See, it's not morbid to discuss what is so inevitable and so universal and what is so profoundly important. There is nothing morbid about saying, God, I want to live my life well. So show me. Show me how quickly life is over. Death is the destiny of every man. And the living, that's us, the living to take this to heart so we can live our lives better. Death really is the guaranteed part of life. Uh, And you can try to distract yourself from that. You can try to get involved in other things. You can try to ignore that. You can say, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. But death is the guaranteed part of life. In fact, let me show you in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Man is destined to die. We're destined to take the step across that line between now and forever. That that is our destiny. We're going to, unless Jesus comes back first, we're destined to take that step across the line. Adam and Eve decided to follow their own desires, to violate the command of God, and you and I have been attending funerals ever since. Unless Jesus comes back, Death is a guaranteed part of your life and mine. So the big question, the really big question is, so then what? When my heart stops beating and my brain waves go flat, then what? What's on the other side of death? And how can I make sure I'll spend eternity with God. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series. But let me tell you a story about my dad. Some of you have already heard this story, but it bears repeating. My dad 
had all kinds of heart troubles and multiple heart surgeries. And I don't remember exactly which heart surgery this was, but it was a very difficult heart surgery. And his three sons, uh, my two brothers and myself, all three pastors, we gathered around his bed to pray for him and pray over him before he went into surgery. It, it was kind of a iffy kind of a surgery if he would come out of it. And so we, all three of us, gathered around him. We prayed for him. And after we prayed, he looked up at us. He said, boys, I want you to know something. I think it's going to be all right. But if not, it'll still be all right. Boys, I want you to know something. I I don't think today's the day. I don't think today's the day that I'm going to step across that line from now into forever. I don't think today's the day. I, I think it'll be all right. But if I do step across that line, I want you all to know something. It'll still be all right. I want you to have that confidence. I want you to live your life that way. I don't want you to fear what comes after your last breath. I want you to know you're ready for that day. It's amazing, as I've done some reading this week, it's amazing what some folks are doing in their frantic effort to outlive themselves. Most of them are billionaires. But in their frantic effort to outlive themselves, they're doing some crazy stuff. That's a theological word, by the way. Crazy stuff. Billionaire Elon Musk is experimenting with the idea of implanting computer chips in our brains. It's called transhumanism. Transhumanism. Something other than being human. It's human plus. Transhumanism. It's an an attempt to alter our bodies and our brains scientifically so that we can live longer. Basically, the idea is, could we implant a chip in your brain to take over so that your brain won't die? Or if it does die, the chip takes over and you continue to live. Transhumanism. Actually, is, this is a recent article. They, they're pouring millions of dollars into trying to develop this computer chip to put in your brain so that you can beat out the odds and live forever. Then there's something called cryonics. You probably, many of you have heard about this or you've seen it in movies. It actually is, I, I read quite a bit about this and got on a website. I won't give the company's name, but it literally, it was blowing my mind to read this, this company, this legitimate company that said, what if you could live forever? What if you didn't have to worry about death or disease? That was their advertisement. What if you didn't have to worry about death or disease? And the idea behind cryonics is simply this, that they will freeze you after you die and then thaw you out once science has caught up with technology and found a cure for whatever killed you, then they'll thaw you out and they'll cure you. And you can live forever. For example, a lot of you, at least my age, a lot of you know the name Ted Williams. Tremendous, famous baseball star. He died in 2002. Did you know that his head and his body are in two separate freezers, frozen, with a hope, frozen in liquid nitrogen, with the hope that one day science will catch up 
and they'll be able to cure him and he can live again. Famous radio TV host Larry King, who now who died about a year ago, Larry King did not believe in the after in the afterlife. Didn't uh, did not really believe in God, or at least a relationship with God, and did not believe in the afterlife. And he said, and I quote: "The only hope, the only fragment of hope, is to be frozen." And I say to you, we've got a greater hope than being frozen. I don't want to spend eternity in a freezer. Let me tell you where the hope is found. Let me show you where the hope is found. Would you go to Hebrews chapter 2? This is an amazing scripture. If this is not one of those that are marked in your Bible, it's one of those that ought to be marked in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 14 and 15, if you're taking notes, write down Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, and, and maybe put a note, mark this in my Bible. This, this is good. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and I, we have flesh and blood. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, talking about Jesus, he shared in our humanity, so that by his death, watch this, it's underlined in my Bible, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, That is the devil. One of the reasons that Jesus died was to destroy the one who holds the power of death. One of the reasons he came up out of the grave was to destroy the one who holds the power of death. He died for your sins, yes, absolutely. That's what the cross was all about. He died for your sins. But when he came up out of the grave, he destroyed the one who had death in his hands. Somebody should have said amen there. He destroyed the one who had death in his hands. And then look what it says. Not only did he die to destroy the one who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know that was in your Bible? The Bible talks about there are people who all their lives have been enslaved to their fear of death. All their lives, they've been fearful of what's on the other side. All their lives, they've been fearful about when I come to that line and I have to step over from now into forever, then what? And they've been fearful of that all their lives. Death is the guaranteed part of life, but death is not something you need to fear. Not if you have a relationship with the God who is eternal. You see, Jesus is the one who died for your sins. Jesus is the one who broke the power of the one who held death in his hands. He destroyed the one who holds the power of death in his hands. And when Jesus destroyed him, now he can offer you eternal life. Yes, one day your body will stop functioning. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. One day your body will stop functioning, but you're going to keep on living. And if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can spend eternity with God. Why would you fear that? The only reason we fear death, two reasons really. One, we don't know what's on the other side. And number two, we fear where we're going. Because we don't have confidence that we're going to heaven. He died. Jesus died, the writer of Hebrews says. 
so that those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death could be set free. Today, it's my pleasure to tell you, you can be set free from your fear of death. Every person here in this building, every person watching me online, you don't have to fear dying anymore because the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and he died on the cross for your sins and he is the eternal God who offers you eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. There's nothing to fear when you know Christ personally. I want to show you one final picture. Perhaps you saw this picture yesterday as we were observing the 20th anniversary of the attack of the World Trade Center by terrorists who came to attack our country and flew planes into those two towers. Don't know if you can see it from where you are, but in the bottom corner, yes, thank you for pointing, you guys are good. He's pointing at it right now. That's a, a red fire truck. That's ladder truck 118. An amateur photographer standing on the 10th floor of his work was watching what was happening. He knew the ladder truck 118 because that was in his neighborhood. When he saw that truck coming down the road and he saw it, he grabbed his camera and he took a picture of it. As far as we know, this is the final picture of Ladder Truck 118 because all six souls on board ran into the World Trade Center and it collapsed on top of them. So every person, could you point back to that fire truck again? For every, every person, all six firefighters aboard that truck, as they were driving towards the World Trade Center, they were heading toward their destiny. There was the line. From now into forever. And I sat there yesterday looking at that picture and I wondered, did they know? Did they know that they're heading towards their death or were they so focused on those burning buildings and what do we need to do to get people out? Because they went in those buildings and they saved hundreds of lives getting people down the stairways. They saved hundreds of lives trying to get people out of that building and fight that fire. But in the process of doing all that, those towers collapsed on top of them and every person riding that truck stepped across the line from now into forever. The Bible says we are all heading towards that same fate. We are all heading towards that same day. We just don't have a picture of it. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know what it'll look like. But we are all heading towards that same destiny. None of us are going to escape that. None of us. Thank God. Thank God that when my heart stops beating and my brain waves flatline, 
and I take that step from now into forever, I know I am stepping into the presence of Almighty God. I know that I am stepping into heaven. I have absolute confidence and comfort that when I'm heading towards my destiny, strange as it may seem, that'll be the best day of my life. It'll be the worst day of their lives for my family. It'll be the best day of my life. Now, I want you to bow your heads. I want you every head bowed, every eye closed. And those watching online, I hope you'll continue to watch for just a moment. Please understand that you and I, the, the reason that Ecclesiastes talks so much about death is so that we could focus on how we're living. Those famous words from Ecclesiastes and the living should take this to heart. Death is the destiny of every man. Every man, woman, teenager, boy and girl. Death is the destiny of every man and the living should take this to heart. That's you. That's me. So today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that because remember it says that Jesus Christ came to destroy the one who holds the power of death in his hands and he destroyed him on Calvary and at the empty tomb. He destroyed the one who held death in his hands and now he offers you eternal life. You have to accept it. How do you do that? You accept it by believing that Christ Jesus did indeed come into this world and take on our humanity and that he did indeed die on the cross for sins of yours and sins of mine and that he was indeed placed into a grave and that he did indeed come up out of that grave three days later and he destroyed the one who holds the power of death and because of that you don't need to fear death anymore if you'll pray this prayer and surrender your life to Jesus just say Lord Jesus I have been fearful of death my entire life but today, I trust in the one who is eternal and who loved me enough to die for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Live in me so that one day I can come live with you. And I will no longer fear death because today I place my faith in you. The eternal Son of God. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.